All right, let's pray. Father, we praise you. We, uh, we thank you, Jesus, for saving us. We thank you for not just sa- saving us, but for filling us with your Holy Spirit and giving us your word. Lord, we, uh, as you open our hearts and we humble ourselves before you, we ask you to, uh, by, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to touch us, Lord, every part of us, our hearts, our minds, our, our souls. As we open your word, we pray that it will, it will uh, because it is the only thing that can transform our lives. So, Lord, open our eyes to see your truth that is contained in your word. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. It's always good to be uh, in the presence of God, but also when you're in the presence of God, God wants to say something, right? And therefore, the Word of God is very, very important. We, uh, the last few weeks, we've been going through the the last moments in the life of Jesus with His disciples, and some of the dense and intense teaching of Jesus concerning discipleship, concerning the the, the Holy Spirit, and... uh, the last time we, we tackled, which is the last chapter of the Gospel of John, and, uh, and we learned how Jesus restored or brought reconciliation into a relationship that was badly broken. <laughs> and uh, even though the, the passage is not a passage of tips on how to bring reconciliation, but from the narrative we can, we can learn how that reconciliation happened, and which we discussed last week, and in that in that discussion, as we tackle the the uh, issue of reconciliation, I I asked the big question: Is reconciliation possible for every broken relationship? It's a good question, isn't it? Is it a guarantee for every broken relationship? And from the 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 narrative of the four or five chapters of the, the, the last moments of Jesus, we learned that, yeah, there was reconciliation between Jesus and Peter, but there was no reconciliation between Jesus and Judas. So, so that was, that's why the, 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 the questions were, was raised. Is reconciliation guaranteed for every form of relationship or in every broken relationship. Well, to do that, let's just look at the principle of reconciliation. I'm going to, I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And uh, if you can go there, which is now the, uh, the title of my sermon this morning is, is reconciliation possible for every Broken relationship. But I'd like to read from Second uh, Corinthians chapter five. I'm gonna uh, read from verse sixteen, where it says, "So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ," He is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. 
All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin or who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, uh, Reading from that, we, we, will go, we will go more into more details in, in, in that, of that passage. But uh, obviously, the, the whole principle of reconciliation is that the reason for its existence is because there is a presence of hostility of two parties, right? One is the offender and the other one is the offender. So you want to bring peace in these two parties. We call that reconciliation between two opposing or two enmity sort of uh, parties. And uh, as we go through uh, verse by verse, in verse 17, it, it pretty much says the reality of all who are in Christ Jesus becoming a new creation. And verse 18 shows that God as the one who is responsible for this reality. Because he, in Christ, according to verse 18, reconciled the world to himself. So, in verse 19, as we read, God reconciling the world, and as you look, what happened now, we got two opposing parties, the offended and the offender. That, in verse 19, as the offended, God initiated the reconciliation. There's something we need to think about. Often in the, in, the, in the breakdown of relationship, we as the offender tend to wait for the other person to, to actually initiate the, uh, the, the process of reconciliation because it's their fault. They owe me something, right? <laughs> And often also, in, in generally speaking, in the, in the breakdown of relationship as, the, as the, the, the offender, you sort of like, you know, I think I better reconcile with that person. It's very, very, it's not very often, it's very rare that the offender would actually begin the process of reconciliation because they think they're the one on the right, you know, they're the, the offender, they're right, it is their right. Those guys need to come to us and apologize. Is that true or not? Because they owe us something. But in this passage, just like Jesus said, it's, it's a true reflection of what Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 5, where Jesus said, when you come to the altar and give offering to the, to the Lord, and then you remember a brother has something against you, leave the, the offering, go and reconcile with that brother. He didn't say, when you 
about to give offering and you realize that you, are, you, are, you have something against your brother. No, he said, when you know your brother has something against you, it's your brother who has something against you. He said, leave the offering and go and be reconciled to that person. Interesting. So in this case, God as the offended one, he, made, he initiated the reconciliation. How did he do that? In verse 19 we read, by death cancellation, counting not their sins against them. Now that goes along with the teaching of Jesus about forgiveness. When Jesus taught about forgiveness, often we, we, we sort of conceptualize this idea of forgiveness. Oh, I forgive them, but Jesus used money. You know the, the parable of, of that person owing money to somebody else? Jesus used money, what? To make it as real as possible. Forgiveness means you cancel their debts. You owe me nothing. That's what forgiveness is. Often we just, it's a throwaway comment like, you know, I forgive them. But when you say, I forgive somebody, you need to say, no, you owe me nothing. That's it. That's how God did it, according to this passage. By canceling the debt. And verse 21, listen to this. God made him to be seen, or who had no sin, to be seen so that we might become the righteousness of God. There are two points. Number one, it reflects the price God pays for that reconciliation. Reconciliation does not come without a price. Somebody pays the price. In this case, God, as the offended one, pays that price. It cost him Jesus. God made him who had no sin, him Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So when Jesus hung on the cross, he was made to be sin. It was like, it was a, a divine exchange happened on the cross. Jesus, the Holy One, became sin so that you and I can become the righteousness of God. Beautiful picture of a divine exchange. Our sin being placed upon Jesus and his righteousness being placed upon us. Very powerful, powerful truth. And from this passage, we can see that the reconciliation, it takes two parties to happen, to make it happen. If you go back to, the, to our title, is reconciliation possible for every broken relationship? The first point is it takes two parties to reconcile, two active parties to make it happen. And uh, in Romans chapter, how, okay, how does, how does God do this, all right? The, the way First Corinthians, or Second Corinthians chapter 5, that we, the passage that we just read, 
it used the, the word reconciliation, but Romans chapter 5, verse 1, where it says, Romans 5, verse 1, he was talking about, about justification by faith. And then, and then in chapter 5, verse 1, Paul said, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, everybody say justified through faith. Okay, that's a point there. Justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So in other words, justification produces reconciliation, peace with God. Reconciliation means peace between two parties. Okay. Now here's the thing. Once again, there are two parties, God and us. Justification comes from what? Whose part is that? God. Right? God does the justification. What is our part? Can you guys say? The what? The faith. Justify through faith. So, God gives the justification, but we have to respond by faith. The two, the two justification and faith meet together, it becomes reconciliation. But what kind of faith that we need here? Faith that God actually paid the price. Recognizing, acknowledging, and understanding the price that I paid. And also, the other point is admitting the, the offenses that have been committed. Yeah. Let me make this statement. The success and the quality of any reconciliation is determined by the quality of our repentance. I'll say it again. The success and the quality of any reconciliation is determined by the quality of our repentance. No repentance, no reconciliation. It's that simple. When Paul says, God reconciled the world to himself through Jesus Christ, are all people in the world reconciled to God? No, they need to repent. They need to acknowledge. They need to express their faith in, 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 the, uh, in the form of repentance. Yet, God, I believe you pay the price, and I thank you for it, and I know I'm a sinner. I mean, that's, you know, acknowledging your, the offenses, also acknowledging the price that, that is paid. And often, I want to say this, often in, in the relationship and in marriage especially, between husband and wife, when there is a breakdown somehow in the relationship, and because there's emotional stuff going on, and then without stereotyping, but generally men sort of like, let's don't talk too much about it, let's just, you know, come on, get over it. No, it doesn't work that way. Sometimes I have to acknowledge, honey, I know the heartache that, that you, have to, you have to go through for what I did. And because of that, I'm sorry. And you have to actually, you can't just brush it off like that. It's like, okay, it's over and done. with. No, 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 she needs to be healed. The other person needs to be healed. And the other party, the offender, needs to actually acknowledge 
what sort of pain or the price he pays for reconciliation to happen. Repentance means just simply saying, I am sorry. Will you forgive me? It really is. It's the simplest three words. I am sorry, but it's in many cases, it's the hardest. They're the hardest three words being uttered by many people, really. People want, see, this is the thing. People want reconciliation, but not realizing the price for that to happen. Somebody pays the price. And also, so my conclusion is this. In any relationship, forgiveness is guaranteed, not reconciliation. Reconciliation is not guaranteed. We'll talk about that more. So how, how can we build a relationship, husband and wife, mom and dad, kids, that the reconciliation is actually, when it happens, it really is it's a successful and it's good reconciliation. I just want to learn from, from the, how Jesus did it with his disciples, particularly with, G, with Peter, because it was badly, as I said, badly broken relationship between Jesus and Peter. And yet the reconciliation was fantastic as we went through last week. But when you see the reality was, as we went through uh, John chapter 13, how that night in that intimate moment, while Jesus had this epiphany from the Father, all things been given to him, that all authority has been handed over to him, in, into his hand. At the same time, Satan spoke to Judas to betray Jesus. Do you realize that actually Satan didn't just speak to Judas, but in Matthew chapter 16, Satan also spoke to Peter. Just the moment after he had this massive revelation, where he had this massive declaration, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus turned around to him and said, you know, nobody could say that unless it is revealed by my Father in heaven. So you heard from God. Peter didn't last one chapter. The very next thing, Jesus had to turn around and say to him, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> in other words, the reality is, one man can hear from God and Satan at the same time. So in other words, okay, Judas heard from Satan, so did Peter. Now, he didn't betray Jesus, but he denied Jesus. He disowned Jesus. How could that be reconciled? How, how you know, and as I read that, man, the reconciliation was fantastic. Let's read the, the history of their relationship. Okay? It started at the right foundation the relationship between Jesus and Peter. It started with a purpose. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 to 22, Jesus called Peter. When the relationship started, Jesus said, come, follow me, 
and I will make you fishers of men. Now may, I, may I, in this context, I, I, and I believe even in the, in the general sense, if I can define relationship, you can write this down. Relationship is partnership in the pursuit of the purposes of God. You can write that down. Relationship is partnership in the purposes, in the pursuit of the purposes of God. Even as basic as marriage relationship, in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve as a couple to bear the image of God. First purpose, I think I'll, I'll touch on this last week. The second, second reason is to take care of his creation. You might, you know, some of us might think, this sounds kind of cold, you know, like relationship, partnership in the, in the pursuit of the purposes of God. Actually, when you read at the end in, in, in John chapter 13, John chapter 13, after three and a half years, you know, God, Jesus built a relationship with the disciples. In the chapter 13, the very verse 1, it says, Jesus, having loved his disciples, he loved them to the very end. It wasn't a cold relationship. It was a very, very loving relationship. It's amazing. Having loved his disciples, he loved them to the very end. So, Jesus and Peter started the relationship on the right foundation. And the next thing is, the journey of the relationship is marked by love, respect, trust, and the right perspective of each other. You know what? It's very important in having a relationship, to actually have the right perspective of each other. Let me give you an example. Peter respected Jesus and his words and calling him Lord. The difference between Peter and Judas is that Judas, the best thing he could call Jesus was rabbi. Whereas Peter called Jesus Lord. And master. In the initial call, when he, you know, that miracle catch, we touched on that last week, he said, Lord or Master, we've worked all night. And then he said, But according to your word, I will obey you. I'll do it exactly what you say. And uh, in Matthew chapter 14, when uh, Jesus walked on water. What did Peter say to Jesus? Peter said to Jesus, Lord, if that's you, tell me to walk on water. He trusts the words of Jesus. That's a high level of trust. Tell me to walk on water. When you look at the, the whole scenario of Peter walk on water, and then it says, the Bible says that when he saw the waves and uh, the wind, he started to get scared and he started to sink. Really, if you think, 
think further in, 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 or deeper into, into that situation, Peter wasn't walking on water. He was walking on the Word of God. And here's the thing. The, the winds and the, the wave has nothing to do with him walking on water. Because had it been quiet like swimming pool, he couldn't walk on water. You know what I'm saying? He was walking on the Word of God. Even if, there was, if the water was as calm as, as, as the swimming pool, there was no way he could walk on water. He was walking on the Word of Jesus. So he respected Jesus and his words and calling him Lord. And he had the right perspective of who Jesus really was. Remember when, I mean, I'll touch on this too. When the, the people started to leave Jesus and some of the disciples left Jesus, Jesus turned around and said, are you offended too? So are you guys with what, what I just said in John chapter 6? And Jesus said, you guys want to go too? Fine, go for it. And Jesus turned around and said, uh, Peter t- turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. Where can we go? He had the right perspective of, G- of who Jesus was. And of course, the biggest one is, you are the son of the living God, the Messiah. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. He trusted who Jesus was. What does that really mean to us in our relationship? You know, Peter said, the same Peter who trusted and who ba- built his relationship with, with, with Jesus based on the purposes of God. You know what he said concerning relationship between husband and wife? He said, love your wife because she is, what? Co-heirs of the inheritance of the kingdom. She's a partner. Co-heirs. Wow. I, really, I believe very strongly in this whole thing of relationship based on purpose. Because if whatever relationship it is between me and my friend, my wife, if all that relationship is built on my ability to keep them happy all the time, man, it, we're, we're in for big trouble. There are going to be times where I'll give you the crap, like really. You, I, mean, I will, but just my personality and your personality, we will frustrate each other. Yeah, absolutely. My idiosyncrasies will, <laughs> will grate on you. If our relationship is based on that, we're done. But as just like Jesus and Peter, because their relationship is based on, on, on the purpose of God, it's the driving force behind that. It becomes the anchor of, it's like, no, 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 there's something bigger than us being together. There's a reason why we are together. The world has, has produced this idea of men and wives like you know I'm sorry guys but if if you if you take your cue of your romantic relationship from Hollywood then your history 
because none of them can keep their marriage together, almost, none of them. <laughs> yeah. Because they produce this idea in, in the movie where finally they come to the altar and they're like, you know, happily ever after. But that's where the camera stopped rolling, you know. The camera doesn't continue playing a year from now on, two years after that, and see what happened. So I think in, in the building of relationship, I think and the, it's, it's very important how we build our relationship. So if there is a breakdown in, relationship, in, in that relationship, there are some things that we need to do that we need to make sure we, cater, you know, we, we take care of. Because somewhere along the line, there might be a breakdown in that relationship. It makes, if you take care of those things, I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing you a perfect marriage. But I tell people who, are getting, who, who get married, I said, you know, both of you, you will never have a perfect marriage. But here's the thing, you're perfectly made for each other. Isn't that amazing? It's just going to take a lifetime for you to figure it out. <laughs> but it has to be a purpose. We're building something. We are building a family for God. Because this, this is a mandate from, for God, from God. Fill the earth. With what? With love. His love. So the world can see what it means to love one another. It's not about feeling. It's about doing. It's about commitment. It's about all those things. And guess what? In the building of that relationship, how we view each other is very important. My wife and I, we don't have perfect marriage. But we're getting better and better. We're growing in that. You know, the, the biggest fun, the biggest Buzz in marriage is growing together, growing to discover each other in God. And for that to happen, guess what? We make room for each other. We make room for each other. Yeah. And when you have the right, the right perspective of each other, there's definitely a respect for each other. Because I respect that there are some things that I definitely will not say. Now, when I say the, say the wrong thing, I have to apologize. Another thing I want to say, forgiveness is the guarantee. This is probably one of the most difficult part in relationship in, on, on every aspect between forgiveness and trust. Yeah. I want to say this. Forgiveness is guaranteed because we are told to forgive. Because God did it to us. He canceled our debts. You owe me nothing. That's guaranteed. Trust, not necessarily. Let me take it to the extreme. Say, Growing up, as a young man, and being violated by one of the members of the family or relatives, whatever. And then, Calvin, you grow up, and you, you find Jesus, and you learn what it means to forgive. Say, for example, it's your uncle. I'm just, I'm just giving you a, a scenario here. You experience the love of Jesus, should you forgive your uncle? Absolutely. 
you can stand up. But Jesus said, should you trust him? Not necessarily. Often people, this is where the difficult part of the balance of, of, of all these things, that's why I said reconciliation is, is not a guarantee. Forgiveness is guaranteed. Okay, and the nature of the, or the, the quality of the reconciliation depends on the repentance and all those things. And trust, not necessarily. That's why, you know, it, as difficult as it is, as, as I watch people through life, talking to people, sometimes going through life and I watch a change of dynamics of relationship in people is unavoidable. Why? Because people don't want to face, come face to face with the mistakes they've made and own up to it. It really is that simple. It has to come to that point. Many Christians live sort of a sort of mediocre kind of, kind of lifestyle as, as, a disciple, as disciples of Jesus because they don't live that repentant lifestyle. Not just to the Lord, but to each other, to friends, to their leaders, or leaders to, 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 to the people they lead. So what happened is we sort of, we, just, we were happy just getting by with, hi, see you, hi, see you, but there's nothing in, in, in between us. It's just like, hi, see you later. Because people just don't have the guts to face up to the offenses that they've made and just come and apologize and just be honest about it. And understand, like, listen, I know I'm not perfect, so I'm really sorry about that. Husbands and wife is like that too. And uh, sometimes just, and you know, like I said, Jesus and Peter, when P, uh, Jesus reinstated Peter, it seemed easy. It was like they didn't go, they didn't, they didn't go, you know, they, they, they didn't go petty about it. You know, there was nothing petty about their the conversation, but because the relationship was built on the right path along the way. So when, when the time came to rebuild the relationship, it wasn't that hard. Even though the, the mistake was big, but there was already a good foundation and good journey of relationship between the two of them. And I think my encouragement to, to us, like, you know, yeah, we will never have perfect relationship, whether it's husband and wife, mom and dad, but somewhere along the line, you know, all of us, we are accountable to how, what we do, what we say, in, in, in a, especially in a moment of argument. You feel like you want to just say something, but let me say this. The Bible says, unless your word is, going, is, grace with, is, 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 uh, is filled with grace, that will mean it's a, uh, is, is flavored with something that will mean it's a grace to the hearers, don't say it. Now, being human, you will say it, and I have said it, all of us have said it, we just need to repent. 
Maybe it's that simple. You just need to apologize. But be careful. Let me just close with this. Uh, in relationship, or even just being, being a disciple of Jesus, there are some, you have to draw the line where you, you realize there are some lines you, you will not cross. There has to be a strong sense of conviction, more than belief, a conviction. A belief, something you talk about, but a conviction, something you die for. All right? You have to draw the line where you know, I will not say this in my marriage, in my relationship. When I, when I communicate with my, my wife, this is the kind of words I will never say. It has to be something like that. Because words are powerful. Can I have the resource, please? For example, in, in Diane and I, in our relationship, the word divorce is not part of our vocabulary. We, we don't utter the, that word. Do we die? No. It's just not part of our vocabulary. That's, that's it. We don't say those, those things. Another thing is, Diana, we've, we've drawn the line where I've never heard her say this to me, neither vice versa. I hate you. You just don't do that. Sometimes you feel like you want to say something, but you know what? The undoing of that and, and the making up for it, it's going to be, you know, you know when you say something, to you, especially to your wife, when you say, I hate you, you know what? It's going to take months and years sometimes to fix it to prove that you actually love her. It's like, yeah. And it's a, it's a building block. You've done that. You know, and I was, you know, one sin is a building block to the next because when you say something, it becomes easier the next time you, you come into that, that tension. Easier and easier. And, and after a while, it becomes a building block and becomes a wall. In church, it's like that. That's why when the Bible says when somebody has something against you, just forgive them. You just forgive them. That's all you do. You forgive them. But I want to say on the other hand also, the whole forgiveness and trust. If you have been betrayed by somebody in the past, you can start playing. The Holy Spirit comes. Is that right? If you can't trust that person again, you know what? Don't beat yourself up. Because, like I said, forgiveness is a guarantee, but trust is another thing. Maybe, you know, I don't know whether it's molestation or it's whatever it is. And sometimes in marriage where the trust has been broken, Give yourself some time to build, to rebuild that trust. I want to say this. To build a trust, it takes time. 
Absolutely. You need time sometimes. When there's a sense of betrayal. And in some cases, it's almost impossible. Nothing is impossible. I don't want to say absolutely impossible, but in some cases, it is almost impossible to build up, to bring people to reconciliation. All things are possible, but it takes, like I said, it takes two parties, and both of them need to surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit and submit. Let's all stand up. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, you, your word says that by this that the world will know that we are your disciples if we love one another. But in many cases, Father, we've been broken or breakdown of relationships. Some are okay, some are not really okay, some are really, really bad. As your disciples, our job is to forgive, Lord. Those who trespass against us. And we do, Father, we forgive them. But Lord, as for reconciliation, Father, we repent if there's anything that we've done to our brothers that we've hurt them in any way, whether intentionally or unintentionally done we ask your forgiveness Jesus to our wives our dads, our moms, our sisters, our brothers, our children Lord and now we ask you Lord Holy Spirit to reveal to us what it is that we need to make right to bring that reconciliation what it is that we need to own up to, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. We want to do our part in this. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, just minister to your people now. Husbands and wives. Lord, even breakdown in the family, Lord. We forgive if it's our children, our sons, or our daughters. We know that you will fix it. And we, we, we will do our part. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Minister to your people, Holy Spirit. Just flow. Stop praying for one another. Just pray in the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit knows how to intercede, how to pray for one another. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your people. Just keep the music going as the soft keyboard. Thank you, Jesus.